1: Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Please play responsibly.
2: Donato's just didn't add bacon to their pizzas. They added bacon to their bacon. Canadian bacon and hardwood smoked bacon. Or Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Get $2 off a large bacon duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important.
1: Well, me and, like, this guy will never get serious. And I was like, why? And she's like, well, I have to marry someone who's Persian. I was, I was just like, why? And she was like, Do you really want the person you married to not end up being able to speak Farsi to your your grandparents and like communicate with your family and not understand your culture? And I remember being like thirteen and being like, Oh fuck! And if I have to get you know my partner to call me Juni, like I will. My name's Himan Hariri Kia. I was about to say it um, the way I would if I was introducing myself in Farsi. Do it. <laughs> Do say, say. it. Um, my name is Imane Hariri Kiyo. I love, I love much, the way it's so much, much better. Yeah, it's, it's much more poetic, as everything is in Farsi. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I am a sex and dating editor for Elite Daily. It's my day job. But what I really am is a writer and a journalist. And I write for a variety of different publications, um, ranging from Teen Vogue to Man Repeller. And I guess um, what I really do, if you... Uh, read between the lines is I write about myself on the internet for a living. Um, I divulge pieces of my personal life, um, my fears, my humiliating moments. And um, I think that through that sort of candid honesty and vulnerability, there is a space for um, having real conversations about shared universal experiences. How long did it take you to get
3: to that point of being comfortable? like did you always know you wanted to be a writer, even or like how did this?
1: Yeah, well, uh I grew up having a fascination with words. I loved um playing with language, and that manifested itself in a lot of different ways when I was younger um, i I loved poetry, I loved writing short fiction. English classes were always my favorite, um, but more than anything, um, I was obsessed with lyricism. So I actually always planned on being a songwriter. That was always uh, where my, my heart was growing up. I have been writing music since I was very little. Uh, I grew up pl- classically trained in the violin, and I taught mm-hmm. myself guitar at 14. And when I went to school, when I went to college, I chose, instead of going to a music school, I had done a couple summers at the Berkeley College of Music and thought about maybe specializing in vocals ultimately decided to get a more well-rounded education so i ended up going to georgetown and when i was there studied creative writing and music composition so not really a well-rounded education yeah. still super how focused I feel about my education yeah no everyone would say to me like you're gonna make zero money when you graduate like I was surrounded by business majors and people that wanted to go to politics it's, it was DC so yeah um but yes the, the entire time I was there um was writing was performing music. Uh, I wrote for, you know, the feminist lit mag, and I submitted short stories to the newspaper. And um, what really, I think, uh, developed my interest in long form writing is I, my senior year, I worked on an honors thesis that was called Vaginalog, and it explored the nine stages of female puberty using prose, lyric, and short fiction. And I worked on that for about a year and a half of my life. Um, it ended up being around 100 pages. And, you know, it, it really um, was a special experience for me because I realized how um, how much I loved talking about the female body, empowering um women to explore their own bodies, to talk about these shared experiences of, um, of growing up, coming of age narratives. And, you know, I'd always, I think that's always where my heart's been as a writer. Um, I always say that I was like, I was raised by young adult fiction. I've never thought of it as like a lesser form of writing because books like, um, books by Judy Blume and Meg Cabot and Lisa Harrison really like raised me as um, a young adult. My, my parents were very foreign. Uh, they you were just Persian. Um, <laughs> I grew up um, in New York City. I went to school in the Upper East Side with, um, you know, predominantly white, wealthy, straight, cis peers. And I always felt like a little bit disoriented because I didn't really have anyone to talk to about uh, my upbringing it was so vastly different from my parents yeah. so i these these uh young adult books these um realistic fiction novels really really uh informed my sense of self so i always thought that like if music wouldn't work out i would write young adult novels um and sort of give back to these this um industry that gave so much to me and so cute. yeah no it was always like my pl- thank you <laughs> always like my plan um, But I believed so heavily in music that I I never thought that that would be where I ended up. Um, But then I started exploring that interest again my senior year and realized, you know, how it it came so naturally to me. It felt so right. And this entire time I had been freelancing a little bit. Like I had done the op-ed program, um, the op-ed teen program when I was in high school and had written op-eds for the Huffington Post. I'd been like published a few times. And so it was always in the back of my mind that um, I wanted to build my portfolio, have clips ready in case I wanted to, you know, devote all of my time to writing. And then after I graduated school, I graduated gung-ho about pursuing music. And I moved back to New York, moved back in with my parents, and I spent about like Five days a week, five nights a week, from like six to one a.m. Just going to like jams, open mics, um, performing to like empty bars, performing sometimes like one song at the very end of the night to like an audience of one person. Oh, (laughs) thank you. Now, yeah, now it's like people. um, No pressure. No, now people are like, "Oh, we want to hear you sing," because it's it's not what I do primarily anymore. And I'm like, oh, if only you knew how much I wish you had said that years ago." Um, but I did that for a few months. And I think ultimately what I realized was that, uh, the dream that I'd always held on to, to ground me and to inform who I was. And it really, like, I thought of myself in terms of this dream and not really as a separate entity, uh, might wasn't making me as happy in practice as it did in theory. I was really, uh, Stressed out by the uncertainty that the music industry brought with it, um, the uncertainty of being successful, of making money, of being able to provide for myself, and so it all started. My I guess my writing career all started with me saying, you know, I I for money I'd been tutoring English part time to students and um, you know helping them edit essays and stuff, which I really enjoyed. And I thought, okay. <laughs> So what I really need to do is get a part time job in media, in writing for some sort of publication, and I can use that, that cash from the freelancing to sort of um, invest in my own music career, but it it's not going to take away from it. I'm still going to be focusing primarily on music. That's so um, funny.
3: Okay, sorry. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. It's just, I, for many years, for most of my life, I mean, still, fashion is a huge part of my life, but for almost four years, I had started a jewelry line called Bakere, which means virgin in oh, Farsi. I love that. And this was it, was, it was a rebellion, really. That was really what it was. And um, at a certain point, I just thought that, I was not able to address the concerns I had with being a woman in the fashion industry. And I just, like, I didn't throw it all away, but I just, I stopped one day. I just eventually stopped. And now I'm at this point where, you know, I study literature primarily in women's intellectual history. And I feel like I'm now at that point where I think words Mm -hmm. are, and also this podcast.
1: (laughs) Have so much value. Yeah. And there's really something to be said about how strong you have to be to walk away from a dream. I think that breaking up with a dream, letting go of an image that you have of yourself in your head, something that you identify with, something that grounds you, is one of the hardest things in the entire world and requires a lot of strength. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, I, I think about sort of like walking away from music or at least, you know, accepting that this wasn't going to be my life. And, you know, it makes me so sad because for, it really, um, for a long time was the only way, you know, forward for me. So, walking away from that and, you know, telling myself, you know, you're not giving up, you're not a quitter, like you're not a lesser person if you accept that this isn't what your life is going to look like was really difficult. But ultimately, I realized, you know, what's the point of doing all this if I'm I'm not I don't feel, you know, excited or happy. or like I love performing. I love being on stage. I still do. I really love to perform. I love feeding off of the energy of a crowd. But, you know, it it wasn't the lifestyle that was serving me the way that I thought it would for so many years. So I I thought, what do I need? What do I want? And it was structure. I wanted structure. So I applied for this job at Teen Vogue, um, which was presented to me as like an editorial assistantship um it was really like the right the right time it was a whole timing thing like her, the assistant had just quit I had just found out about the job I applied that night like I was interviewing the next week and I it was just it all happened so quickly and in my head I was like this is gonna be part-time like this isn't gonna be that intensive um and long story short I uh, basically started my professional career in media as an executive assistant at Teen Vogue. And I was the assistant to the editor in chief at the time, which was Elaine Welteroff. Um, and it was a lot of work, a lot of work that I think I was unprepared for.
3: I read your article about that. Yeah, about, about working. <laughs> over and work getting over. Yeah.
1: Oh my gosh, that's something I don't realize as well. Yeah, no, here's here's the thing um about work-life balance. I loved my time at Teen Vogue so much. I had grown up reading Teen Vogue. I'd collected every single magazine that I had bought um, from a young age until my mom threw them out while I was at school. <gasps> so, oh yeah, I I really really connected with um with the publication, it gave me a sense of purpose. And also I was coming in at an exciting time where, you know, Teen Vogue had just changed leadership and it found its political voice. Yeah, It yeah. was really, you know, using its platform to enact change. I was really excited to come in at that specific time. And I loved the content that we worked on. I loved my coworkers. I loved coming into the office every day. It really was a dream job for me. But the my role was meant to be held by someone with a few years of administrative experience. But, you know, that's, it I, It was me that was the problem there, you know, that what was re, what was required of the role and I, um, I hadn't been ready for it. Uh, I am so grateful for the opportunity. It really, really, really helped to launch my career in the sense that I connected so closely with all of the editors that worked there. And I worked so relentlessly hard um, on both the print mag and the website. And when it ended up folding, it was really heartbreaking. Because, you know, this was not just a magazine that had informed my life, my upbringing, my adolescence. But it um, it really was the first time in which I felt like I was doing something. That was making a tangible difference. Like I was writing for the site, writing some very difficult, honest, personal articles. And then immediately after getting to, you know, talk to, getting feedback, converse with readers who had read it and had questions for me or had comments for me or, you know, wanted to argue a point. And I realized like, wow, you know, this is the power of working in online media is You're given a platform to really, you know, divulge a piece of yourself to to lay it out on the table. And real people are there to, you know, pick it up, interact with it and put it back down.
3: Well, going back to what you said, like your mom had thrown away. Yeah. The issues like what do they think
1: of the subjects you write about? My parents are very supportive. They are. okay. Very supportive. Uh, My mom is an artist. She's an architect, a designer. Um, she is groundbreaking in so many ways. Um, She and my aunt co-own a architecture firm together and are like, I mean, they're groundbreaking uh, designers and artists and have my mom from a very young age instilled in me this passion and this, um, I don't know, this, uh, this craving for culture and art it was always such a big part of my upbringing um she used to make us uh, take out easels and paint what we saw on the weekends and we would always go to museums it was just just a such a big part of my upbringing um and she always encouraged every single creative um creative inkling i had so i'm, I'm really grateful to her and uh my dad is is not doesn't come from an art background but he's very open minded so you know i think that they have always understood that i'm going to express myself in ways that sometimes will make them uncomfortable but like they they've been watching me perform very personal music from a really young age like they've been watching me you to talk about relationships and sex
4: and all of these things in different forms from a really young age. (laughs) I'm just looking at my co-host right now and her eyes just like popped out of her head like they look like they were gonna fall out but like that's to say I think that you were so lucky like do you know how lucky you were compared to most Persian girls growing up? Oh
1: I totally do and like I um you know I have I, my family is much more than my parents. Like, I have my grandparents here, I have my aunts here, I have mm-hmm. my cousins here, and like. All in New York? Uh, a lot of them in New York, yeah. My grandparents live a couple blocks away from where I grew up. And I think that um, I protect them a little bit more from what I do to the extent because, like, I know that they wouldn't be able to understand it. Yeah. And they always saw music as more of a hobby, so they didn't really like he- hear me perform that often. Yeah. So. Um, it's not to say that every, they were necessarily unsupportive, but I don't think they know to the extent, um, what I write about. And I know that like my, I've had family members that have like seen the type of stuff I'm writing and like said to my parents, like, oh my gosh, did you know that like, Iman's posting all these articles about like orgasms and, um, um, and my parents are just kind of like, yeah, I mean, that's, she does her thing. Um well, I, that's amazing. It's, it's cool. I'm in shock right now. I'm like, <laughs> I want to meet your parents. Can I have your parents? They're amazing. I want to meet
4: them. Like, my mom is very supportive of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And she started telling her friends about it. And she started telling her friends, like, oh, you have to go listen. And I told my mom, I'm like, I don't know if all of your friends are going to enjoy the things I talk about <laughs> or appreciate what I talk about because some of them are a little bit more old-fashioned and i loved her response like she said like if they have a problem with it that that's their problem it's not your problem 100 percent. and that you're just being a modern girl in a modern world and like but i would never tell my dad my dad's very old-fashioned i just think it's so awesome that like your dad has seen you perform and your dad is like yeah read your articles well
1: when did they move to america um so for they both came here for school and stayed after the revolution so oh, so they came before the revolution. They came, they, okay. they both came to this, well, my dad went to Canada, um, for college and my mom went to Cornell for school. So they've both been here, I guess for, they were here for like two years before the revolution. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but not really, um, there, you know, my mom has a th- very thick accent. Like I think <laughs> that, um, my family, my, especially my mom's side of the family is just like, it's so ingrained in, in, Iran and like Iran really informs like her work and like who she is as a person. And I've never grown up thinking like I'm predominantly American. Like this is my identity. Like being Persian was always such a big part of who I am and like how I think of myself. And um, it informs the decisions I make and the things I want to say and write about. It's just, it's, it's such a big part of me. Um, In fact, like when I dyed my hair blonde, you guys can't see this, but I have, like, white blonde hair. <laughs> I realized that one of the first things that I started doing was overcompensating for that piece of my Persian identity yeah. that I felt that had been taken
4: from me oh, feel, yeah. by
1: just bringing up the fact that I was Persian, like, within five <laughs> minutes of people <laughs> meeting me.
4: And people it's like, like vegans. Like, yeah. how always have to oh, say they're vegan. <laughs> yes. Because
1: I was, like, because I, I used to look so Middle Eastern, and now yeah. I look a little bit, like, white pasting, and I have so much guilt from that because I love identifying with my persian roots and like, i was I- gonna
4: say your face you actually to me look very turkish really yeah Interesting. you have like these like more almond almost asian looking eyes yeah. and this cute little nose <sighs> my you. mom's obsessed with this turkish soap opera right now the bride from istanbul <sighs> and you look like like a lot of the girls are look the same they all look so beautiful though but you look like yes. half of the characters i got i have really
1: i have um Crescent eyes, and I've yeah. always wanted. I still want to do ancestry. Dog. Yeah, I want to see. I want to find you out. You might be a little bit Turkish. You Turkish. Know. I've always thought that maybe I'm like a little bit Mongolian from when the, I, I've
4: been. I've been yeah. told that. Yeah, because
1: of my hair. I don't know.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, no, I know the city
4: that. my dad's from in Iran. Most of the Persian Jews there more recently came from Spain during mm-hmm. the Spanish Inquisition so like. I'm wondering if I take 23 and me, like, what am I going to get? People oh, always, definitely. People always think I'm Hispanic. No, because... So maybe no, I I mean, we definitely yes. have a lot of Sephardi in yeah. our blood. Yeah. So, like, maybe I can finally say yes when people are like, oh, are you blah, blah, blah? Like, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I've got to tell you, like, it's it's so wild. I, you know, going to Iran for the first time, I remember being really young and seeing, you know, artwork on the walls of all these grand palaces like Golistan and seeing the women and thinking like oh my god like that's my face like the tiny lips and the unibrow like it was just like seeing it and being like oh my gosh like this this is a reflection of me it's a totally different experience yeah and also like this is what beauty looked like to these people you know like it's just like a different standard of beauty it's a different Mm -hmm. appreciation like the the pale skin and the long like black hair and like it was just the the entire thing to me it was like oh my gosh like so this is the part that's been missing for me yeah and like my understanding of like what i look like to the rest of the world but yeah that's why whenever i meet people now i'm like within five minutes i'm like i'm super middle eastern or like i'm very iranian just to so as a disclaimer because I feel like they don't see me fully because yeah. I'm so blonde but I don't think I'll be blonde forever
3: I don't know if you heard our previous episode with mm-hmm. Nick AM the producer mm-hmm. no it's fine it's fine so he was saying that and we said like we experienced this as well but in school a lot of the times he would get that people are like oh Like, why are you trying to act white? Like, Mm -hmm. why are you... Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, oh, you like to read and and listen to... Like, Like classic rock or something? Yeah, like, why are you... Who do you think you are? So, like, did you ever get that? Like, oh, like, why are you wearing patent red pants? You know, like, who do you... Like, dyeing your hair blonde. blonde. Like, what are
1: you Uh, trying to be, like, a... Well, I didn't really get to this place, I think, um, until I... Until sort of recently. Like, I definitely have always um, used... Dress as a way to, of, as a form of self-expression, that came from my mom. My mom always said, like, think of, like, clothes as art. Like, use use clothes to, like, make yourself a structure or, like, make yourself, like, a sculpture. Because yeah. she's, as I said, like, super artistic. I'm actually um, writing
3: an article about how my mom influenced my yeah, fashions. That's so funny. It's yeah. so,
1: I mean, it's so true. I think for every Persian girl, um, yeah. it's so true. Not necessarily what she said, but the fact that we always, like, emblemize our mothers as... as I guess their styles. Yeah. Um, anyway, but yeah, no, I, um, but I, it took me a really long time to feel like, um, I had ownership of the way I looked and my skin and be, I was able to like experiment with the way that I looked. I don't know. I was all, it's, I when I was in, in high school, like I think I definitely in many ways, like tried to pass more. Like I tried to fit in more, um, when i started like waxing off all of my hair that was like a huge part of me trying to fit in because like it always like isolated me and made me feel um like an enigma to my peers nobody else had like as much hair as i did i'm so hairy like i you i've where was the first place you waxed can we all answer this oh yeah (laughs) um i 96th and um, oh, I, I the Air of your
4: body. Oh, <laughs> oh! I was
1: like, shout out to. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to remember the name of Olive Spa. <laughs> I love you guys so much. Um, I haven't forgotten about you. I've just moved downtown, but um, yeah. Well, part of my body, a mustache. First time, I was like eight when yeah, I same. I, I was yeah. So mustache, I really. I was
4: honestly pretty fortunate not to brag or anything, but I was less hairy than most of my cousins. Oh my god! So for me. I didn't have as much as a, of a problem with, like, my arm hair or my body hair, back hair. Like, some girls had insane back hair. But, like, for me, it was me, my unibrow. Me. I had a beautiful oh, me too. Frida Kahlo oh, me too. unibrow going on. I, <laughs> I just had to go. Like, yeah. Oh, I had,
1: yeah, I had the unibrow. I had the arm hair. I had the leg hair. I had the mustache. Like, I had a lot, my, my black hair. Like, my hair grows so long yep. like and so fast. It's insane. It's, I have to, I shave. People are like, oh yeah, like I shave maybe once a week. I'm like, every other <laughs> day, I don't
4: skip a day. Like, it's just. I'm a cactus if I don't. Yeah,
1: no, and it's like, it's not like, it's not a, like, sure, if you don't want to remove your hair, that's, and that empowers you. Amazing. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't really have that choice. Like, my hair grows so fast and it will be so itchy and so long, like before you know it. Like, it's, it, there's nothing, Um. like, for me it's never felt voluntary like I've always been like this is my safeguard I need to remove it and I think that that's a
4: form of conditioning like that's a it's form so, of it's wanting funny because to- like as a Persian woman like the older you get you change so much because you start do- doing certain things yeah. by the time you're like 10 11 and I had a family friend that was like she always looks at these beautiful Persian moms Mm. and then she looks at their daughters and they're like, what is this little monkey standing next to this beautiful woman? Oh my God. And and then you just think to yourself, that beautiful woman was once a little monkey. Yeah. Oh my gosh.
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. I always say, I literally say all the time to people that meet me,
4: I'm like, you have zero clue what I really look
1: like. I feel like I'm always in costume. Always. I always feel like I'm like, Wearing a mask or something. Because
4: I'm, I've never been in a relationship, but I'm always worried. Like, when I have my first boyfriend, and like, when we move in together, mm-hmm. like, am I going to hide my waxing machine? Because I wax my own lip <laughs> and, like, I pluck my own eyebrows. Like, like I even wax my own vagina sometimes if my waxing lady's out of town. Like, yeah. not that, like, anyone's always seeing it, but, like, I like to take care of it for my own sake. Like, I have a lot of friends who don't care to take care of it, mm-hmm. and they have boyfriends who see it all the time and just don't care. It's just for me personally, like I wax myself. Am I going to hide that? Like, I don't know. Am I supposed to pretend like I don't wax my lip? I
1: feel like when I first started dating my boyfriend, I oh so you're currently I'm currently in a relationship. Is he Persian? He is not Persian. Have you ever dated a Persian? I have so many questions. I've (laughs) got to tell. I'm willing. I'm an open book. Seriously, (laughs) Google Google me. It's it's all embarrassing shit. Um, yeah, no. Um, I have not dated a Persian before. I have never really like found myself drawn. Like my parents are going to kill me when they hear this. Drawn to. Persians personality
4: wise or look wise look wise okay and
1: I wonder if that's I mean like psychosis I wonder if like that's me like sort of like pushing away like my my, oh shit sorry sorry Sorry. technical Technical difficulties. difficulties
4: Okay. Are we good? Yeah. Are we on? Uh, yes. Are we live?
3: We're live. <laughs> We're live. It's my fault. I, <laughs>
1: I talk with my hands, so I'm always hitting things. I'm always knocking over, like, water, wine, wires, There's whatever. All the Ws.
4: There's so It's the like, how do you get, like, an Italian or an Israeli to shut up? You tie their hands <laughs> behind their back. <laughs> oh, my God. I would not be...
1: Like, it's actually so hard for me. I was... This whole, by the way, interview is just going to be tangents because I can't stay focused <laughs> on one thing. I was shooting, like, a promo for at work, and literally the the producer just kept being like can you not do like the weird handguns after saying something they <laughs> oh I'd be like oh yeah no like this take no way won't do it and like every time my hands would it's just have a like, mind their own. But with your hands like, yeah a, a, as
4: opposed to like a speech type oh. of
1: <laughs> it's so bad it's like it's and i have tiny weird ha- like really small hands too oh, so it's always
3: like
4: his hands are smaller, smaller. wait you oh my god really small you're is. smaller than yeah. mine yeah. My my everyone's says hands Wait, are always bigger What than is my- wrong with <gasps> me? Oh my yeah, I have, I have weird baby hands. Me. Again, no, I, I really wish really you guys can't. could
1: be <laughs> a witness to this. I have like weird like I have pterodactyl like small hands. It's so weird. Small, like small head, long neck, tiny hands, like true dinosaur form. Um anyway, guys, she's actually so cute. Just don't look <laughs> at Um really anyway, um uh, words what Oh yeah, so I I wonder if that's me sort of, like, pushing away myself. So, I I always
4: felt it was part of my insecurity that mm -hmm. I didn't like guys that look too Middle Eastern. Yes. Like, I like a manly-looking man. Like, I like when a guy can grow, like, a thick beard. And I like dark hair, and I like Mm -hmm. dark eyes. But I liked paler skin. I almost Mm -hmm. wanted them to not look too much like a terrorist. Yeah. And I felt like it's because of insecurity that I have for looking very Middle Eastern. I I wonder if that is is what it's always been for me, Because I feel like usually narcissistic people... Tend to like someone who looks like them, so I feel like it's the opposite for me. I'm like trying to like stray away from that. I a actually bit. have dated. Not that I. I hope I'm not narcissistic,
1: but I actually <laughs> have dated two people that I feel like looked a little bit suspiciously like me. Um, <laughs> but it really didn't work out. So, um, I maybe that means that I saved I saved myself or I I humbled myself. So now <laughs> I'm, I'm into people that look different. Um, but no, I it's I think I would be open to. To dating a person um, I'm like very happy and in love with the person I'm with now so um, like something would have to change there but like um, it's it's not that I don't want I don't know what it is I have like this very specific idea in my head um, where I'm I'm like young I'm driving in a car with one of my older family friends her name was Roxy she's like beautiful she was in her I guess like early 20s and I was like 13 like peak, terrible middle school years, yeah. um, like, actually just, like, heinous. And <laughs> Roxy is, like, talking about all the boys that like her and, like, people she's seeing. She's, like, so beautiful. I'm like, oh, I want to be just like you, but I don't even have – I'll never learn to drive, and I still haven't.
4: Um, Come and to drive <laughs> yeah. Well, that's I mean, the thing with New Yorkers. I've been driving since I was 13 because I'm a New Yorker from Long Island. We have to drive. <laughs> But 13's I, a little
1: much, but I took um, <laughs> ten hours of lessons, still didn't get my license. So whoops, Very sorry. It um, is eventually all learned, <laughs> girl. You don't need
4: to drive. Yeah. Yeah. There's no I'll reason stay for that. Here, here.
1: Um, anyway. Uh, I remember her just saying, you know, like, well, me and th- like this guy will never get serious. And I was like, why? And she's like, well, I have to marry someone who's Persian. And I was, I was just like, why? And she was like, do you really want the person you marry to not end up? being able to speak farsi to your your grandparents and like communicate with your family and not understand your culture and i remember being like 13 and being like oh Fuck. Like sorry, can I
4: curse?
3: Yeah, of, of course. course. Okay, no. right, like, was he was like you must not know, have listened to it. <laughs> yeah, like I.
4: No, it's just like I. was just like oh the my amount god. of times of well, pocket pussy isn't a curse. The amount of times of <laughs> pocket pocket. pussy. I'm still trying to get them to sponsor us. By the way, pocket pussy. If you're out there if you're you, listening,
1: please do. I'll talk about the first time I saw pocket pussy. Oh my god, I saw. I I remember everything. Um, but yeah, no, I and that really freaked me out because I was like, oh my gosh, like. I don't like any of the Persian guys I know. Like it, it, it was just freaked me out. And my whole life, like my parents have been trying to set me up with Persians. My grandparents have been trying to set me up with, with Persians. Like I can't count the amount of times that I've gone to dinner at like Persepolis, which is a restaurant in New York. That's a Persian out, restaurant. Think, yeah. No, it's, um, it's, Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I was confusing with somewhere else. No, it's okay. Um, it's on, I think 72nd. I've been going there since I was a kid. Um, it's like, when it's it's the type of restaurant you go in like the owner it's family run the owner's pictures on the wall like everyone in there is Persian it's great um, an anomaly in New York because like we don't have the same LA, like, LA type of community yeah. Um, and I, I can't count the amount of times that I've gone in and there's been like suspiciously this other family with just one son and everyone <laughs> joins together and we're, we have to talk it's just like, like oh what a so, coincidence yeah or like <laughs> I'm so invited funny. over for dinner to my parents and like there's There's a doctor yeah yeah, there's just one person yeah and i'm like oh okay like and they're like
4: you guys are close to the same age like talk for for the next three hours do you ever try to purposely scare them away because i i always tell people i've been on very few dates with persian men because Mm -hmm. mentality wise especially the ones from new york the ones from la are a little less old-fashioned but the ones from new york are still very old-fashioned in my opinion from like my experiences And on like a first date, they'll ask me, can you cook or do you cook or like, what do you know how to make? And I'll always tell them about the two times where I set toast on fire (laughs) and it was just like a ball of of flame. And yeah, that's my story. That's how I like to scare them away. So do you do that at all? Do you catch yourself like purposely pushing them away? You know, I don't think I even need to do
1: that. (laughs) I I think I just like automatically I growing up, I grew up. Like in the Persian community, like I had a a lot of my dad's friends from high school moved to the tri-state area after graduation, and all had kids at the same time. And like I grew up knowing them and like hanging out with them. So we you all, had a lot of Persian yeah, friends we, growing up. We had all we all had the same uh, Farsi teacher. I I until I was sixteen, I was having Farsi lessons once a week. Really? Do, you, do you
3: guys can, speak Farsi? Can I say I speak? but I, I wasn't taught. I was just at home.
4: Yeah. In general, I personally feel that the jewish persian community when they came to america they tried to leave a little bit more behind Mm -hmm. and they don't make such a emphasis on like their kids going to visit iran and they love to talk about iran and they love to talk about the good old days before the revolution and Mm -hmm. like my mom has never been to iran because she grew up in israel but her brother she always talks about how her older brother went on this euro trip in his 20s and at the end went to iran and said iran was more fun than all of europe before the revolution but i feel like after the revolution a lot of persian jews like They uh, disassociated a little bit from their, like their culture. Yeah, in a sense, like
3: in In a lot of they felt like they felt like they became an orphan. I think that's like the struggle that a lot of Persian Jews became. Like, and same with people who before Israel, like you know, Persian Jews, like we're a stateless people and a whole other meaning of the word. We're Jewish and then we're also Persian, and that's such a paradox within itself so it's like where do we belong and i think my parents like what you're saying like they tried so hard to assimilate
4: yeah so i definitely feel like in a lot of ways we the persian jewish community still puts an emphasis on marrying a persian and speaking to your kids in persian and learning to cook persian food and if you go to a persian wedding you always know you're at a persian wedding or a persian like engagement you know and in a lot of ways the culture is still very old-fashioned and very Persianized, yeah. but we are less, I think, than the Muslim Persian community in America. Yeah. I think. I don't know any Persian Jews that took Persian yeah. classes. Really. Like, I think that's. It was I think that's such, amazing like and required. insane at the same time. That's so cool. We all
1: did it. It was, I yeah. In not, a way, yeah. I
4: feel like I'm missing out a little bit oh. on that connection with my Persian side. Yeah. Well, like in a way, I feel like a little bit orphaned. I
1: guess. Yeah. Well, first of all, I will say that like, I know my my mother is not a Persian Jew, and she, you know, cried for Iran, this Noruz. Like, she's, I think that, I think all Persians that left during the revolution feel a little bit displaced, and, like, they're, they're always going to be far from home, and they can never return home, because the home they remember doesn't exist. I'm always going to
4: be sad that I couldn't see Iran before the revolution. Me too.
1: I think about that all the time. I think about that all the time, because it was just a completely different place. Um,
4: And yeah so that's that's one thing but you have uh, been to iran i want to hear about your experience going to yeah iran. you've I, been multiple times right? i feel
1: so bad because i haven't answered like any questions every question that gets asked of me i like pivot away from it um and i feel like that's gonna annoy listeners so i'm very sorry like if you want no, any, think, any follow-up just let me know
4: i think our listeners are gonna love
0: as things change other things stay the same
1: hearing you because i'm really enjoying listening (laughs) to you right now thank you um iran i i love iran um i love going back it's it there's certain things um about it that that make me nervous i think um but the country has changed so much in the past few decades um, even the last time I went back, which was not last summer, but the si- summer before I felt more comfortable than the, when I had been there, been in high school. Um, I worked there a couple summers. I used to work for an organization called Omi Demir, which, um, is like a, it's a, it po- it's, it's a school, but it's really helps, um, you know, women in Iran who young women in Iran who have been subjects of like domestic violence.
4: Wow, that's and, amazing! Yeah,
1: I, I so I I fundraised for them for all of um, high school, and then I when honestly I was in, I
4: feel so little next to you right now. Like what? you, like you feel so big to me. No, my God, I've I'm like I think that's amazing.
1: I um I was young, like I it was not impressive. Like I <laughs> I just I found the organization online myself and like started you know throwing bake sales and selling bracelets and stuff to raise money for them, and then. Eventually, I went to the person who started it, who was Magine uh, Havati and was and basically said like, "I really want to go see the girls. Like, I want to see like where the money's going. I want to see, I want to help like in a more hands-on way." And she was just like, "You are a kid and not a licensed therapist, and like you, there's not much you can do." So I went as this par- uh, part of a program called uh, Omid Angels, which basically went and like documented her time there, and then. Used it to like fundraise, mm-hmm. and I loved it so much that I came back the next summer and worked as a music teacher and taught the students. Um, like we would play the guitar and sing, and it was really fun. Um, but you know, they they thought I was so cute because my Farsi was like broken. I had this <laughs> that was just like so westernized and like <laughs> my co-host
4: always makes fun of my Farsi. It's really embarrassing. I wish it was better because personally my parents spoke farsi to each other when they didn't want me understanding what they were saying I picked up on Farsi through context clues. And by the time I was like 10 or 11, I can almost understand fluently, but my parents still didn't know because mm. I, I was such a nosy, like little child. I wanted them speaking in front of me so I can hear all their secrets. And I remember when I was like 11, I finally told my mom I understand everything. <laughs> and she oh, was in shock. She was like, wow, you nosy little bitch. Like, That's so funny. She, she was very amused. Yeah. yeah,
1: I didn't feel like my Farsi got to the point of conversational until I started spending so much time in Iran because that's when I was like forced to really speak Farsi. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was nervous to speak English um, in public places. Like, I
3: hope oh,
1: you can be half Okay. I'm you know, am am I don't know okay Nehmi-
3: i just took a few seconds that was good <laughs> yeah it's i'm not even gonna i'm
1: not even gonna
4: join in because <laughs> i sound like yeah. a four-year-old that was dropped on her no, head
1: <laughs> <Fine. laughs> no, <I'm not laughs> I I
4: sounds so good i'm so jealous <laughs> i'm not even gonna try <laughs> you can speak in english
1: I, it's yeah it's my mom i mean my mom grew up in iran and every time she has to like do um an interview in farsi she gets nervous i think which is funny
4: yeah um Everyone's amazed that my mom's Farsi is so good. My mom's just really good with languages. Mm-hmm. She is. She grew yeah. up in Israel, like not speaking of Farsi at all. And then at the age of eighteen, she moved to Queens, oh. and she was just surrounded by Persians. And she's like, "I need to learn Farsi." So she loves like really old school Persian music. So she listened to all this per- like Persian, very poetic Gubush. music. No, she she mostly listened to men actually. Like, really? um, she she had a little bit of a not a fling, but, um. I don't know if you know the singer Moin. Moin. Yes. He was in love with my mom. Oh my god. I have what pictures, a good I, have pictures story. With him. I have pictures with him as a child, but he was very My mom has a tape from cuz you know when people used to leave you a voicemail it was yeah. on a tape. So she saw has a tape that she played for me recently of Moin calling her. He's like, "Dahlia, <laughs> that's so I want cute. to see you." I'm dying. She was actually at his wedding though. She like met his wife like whatever they're chill, but um she hasn't seen him in years. But it's funny. Um, So, yeah, so she picked up on her Farsi moving to America. That's because her parents left Iran when they were teenagers. They got married, moved to Israel. My mom and all her siblings were born there, grew up there. And none of my mom's siblings really speak Persian. But she's Mm. fluent. Like, people are always amazed that she's so fluent. And I feel like it's so important. I wish I was better at languages. I I do try to learn more. Millie yeah. always shits on me. No, I don't. I, I, sh- no, I shit good on myself for not speaking you, Hebrew. You should teach I want me. you to shit and, like, on me. I, I, think, I think it's I important. Like, I wish I spoke Farsi better. Like, We're going
3: to teach each other. Yeah. You I started you a new you job. job.
4: <laughs> <laughs> it's really
3: an easy language. Wait, like, I, I kind of wanted to seconds. get back to this, though, because we did get off topic. But sorry. Sorry, Lisey. We're really, really sorry. Um... But is it important to you? Like or is it devastating to you that if you end up with someone who's not Persian that like oh. you won't be able to teach your children or like yeah. they won't be able to catch these certain expressions? Like you posted this meme on our Instagram the other day, like oh like how can I date a <laughs> white guy who like won't be able to say like Orbanid Bishop like
4: And who's gonna call me like cutie pie? Like it's just not the same.
1: Um oh cute. Um First of all, I really admire your ability to get back on track. That was like five conversations ago. (laughs) So very good job. Um, Yeah, I mean, so that's the first time that I became aware of that thought. Um, And here's the thing. Like, I can't, you can't really control um, who you fall in love with. And that's something I truly believe um, you can date all the right people with all the right, I don't know, with the, with the right background, with all the right skills, yeah. And you the can date right someone inches. who's good for you on paper, but in it, reality, it just doesn't click. Yeah, and in the end of the day, like it's just so much of it's it's just so much more than that. Um, it's like this unspeakable energy. It's so tangible. Like when you're with someone, you can feel it. Um, so. I guess it's important to me that my like children be raised speaking Farsi. I don't want it that language to die. Yeah. I want my children to be raised Persian. Like I want them to culturally know to about yeah. associate as Persian. Oh, I want them to know how Persian they are. Like I want them to speak Farsi. I want them to celebrate Nowruz. I want them to have Persian friends, all of that. And I'm
4: assuming you've spoken. I feel like Where's your boyfriend from? So my
1: boyfriend's from London. Okay. Um, he is I I met him in school actually, um, my senior year of college and he lives in New York. Um and you know, know what's so much more important to me than um where he's from and his um I guess cultural background is family and mm-hmm. the way that he values family and the way that his family behaves because, you know, like family is so important to me. I'm so close with my family. No, I think that that's very Persian. Yeah, Yeah. it's just like the you're you're very close with your family. You share a lot. Even when you don't want to, your family knows everything. Like I'm from a huge family both sides both my parents are Persian so like major huge family (laughs) um like I don't know many people that know like their mom's 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 dad dad's mom's yeah it's funny recently.
4: um sorry I started a new job and I told them um before I started I was like oh I have a wedding in a few months is it okay if I go and then on the first day at work I was like no it's like fucked up that I three months in I'm taking a vacation to go to Israel for a wedding and my supervisor was like, no, if you want, you can. I'm like, no, trust me. I have so many fifth so cousins. Many weddings. Like, this is like a fifth cousin. Like, you know, it's not even my first cousin. Like, I have so many fucking cousins. There's going to be 20 other weddings within the next, like, five months. Like, oh, it's fine 100%. if I miss this one. Uh, my,
1: my boyfriend went to his first ever wedding last year. I It I was maybe, so like, my hundredth. Like, I've literally been to so many Persian weddings. But it was my first, like, white people wedding. Also, I, like, oh, I don't gosh. want this, oh, yeah, I don't want this so to weird. sound
4: bad. But certain, like, some people are, like, so... I guess their families are so white there's not that much culture in Mm -hmm. their life that some people are like when they date someone with so much culture in their background and in their family and in their life they're kind of excited to take that on in their life and to be part of that and like it's nice sometimes I see people date people who like really completely take on the Persian culture and enjoy it so much and enjoy it almost more than most Persians do because most Persians grew up with it and are tired of it Mm -hmm. and then you meet this like kind of like white girl that like married yeah. a Persian guy and she's like, oh my God, I make the best hottest And it's like, that's cool that you're into taking that on and into, like, trying to be part of it. Yeah, I mean, as long as it's not tokenizing and as
1: long as they're not,
4: like, oh, like,
1: you make me more cult. I don't know. Like, (laughs) you're rubbing off on me. Like, I hate that shit. Um, I think I don't
3: think I've seen that. Oh, God, that sounds (laughs) awful. I hope Um, (laughs) there's no one doing that.
1: Well, yeah, no. I mean, to speak for my white guy, um, (laughs) because he's not here, um, he, you know, he is so much more than that. And his family is so warm. They're so close. They're like, you know, there's so much love there. And he values family. He was raised with the same set of values that I was. And I think that that is what makes, is part a big part of what makes us work so well together. Mm-hmm. And additionally, like, he understands how important my culture is to me. And he is like there in every way that he can be without, you know, overstepping. He comes to, I have so... This is probably the most Persian thing I'll say. I have dinner with my like extended family, like at my grandparents' house, every Sunday, and I have since I was little. And I don't miss a Sunday, and if I do, I get five million calls from my grandpa asking where I was. So I have dinner like <laughs> every Sunday without fail. When I was in college, I'd be Facetimed in.
4: Oh my god! It's like god. a big
1: part wow. of my my, oh my of my gosh. family. So um, my like my partner comes with me. To these dinners at least once a month he's always there he like knows my grandparents knows my whole family very very well um he like he's comes to all of my noru celebrations he celebrated noru's three days in a row this year um like once with like the young iranians once with the old like you know he i'm he's so curious about the food about um the language like he's I think that he understands that it's such a big, important part of me. And, you know, I think also like my youngest aunt, who's about 10 years younger than my, um, mother married, um, like an American man. Like she married her college TA. His name is Paul. He's very American. So, Um, (laughs) Uncle Paul, if you're listening. And, um, he's great. And they had two kids and the kids grew up, Taking Farsi lessons and like being surrounded by Persians. Um, they live in California, um, not in LA, but outside of San Francisco. And, you know, Paul took Farsi. He's like learned Farsi. So now oh. he understands it, a little bit of it. Not, he's not fluent, but like, you, you know, like. So, and so that, I grew up m- seeing that. So it was, it, it never felt restrictive to me, you know? I, I, so. I can see myself having a family life one day similar. Um, you know, like, I I want my kids to be proud to be Persian and to be interested in the culture and the history and the literature and all of it. So, um, yeah, I, it doesn't make me sad because I know that because I value that part of myself so much, I'm going to make sure it's ingrained in my family life. Mm-hmm. And if I have to get you know, my partner to call me Junie, like I will, you know, it's okay. you know, I'll just, I'll, you know, it'll, it'll, we'll yeah, make it we work. We should
3: call that this episode. <laughs> if I have to call, if, <laughs> if I have my partner to call
4: me Junie, then I will. Yeah. It's like, you know, like that other, podcast and no one cares about call me that da- call her daddy so mm-hmm. call her junie yeah <laughs> call, oh. Just call me junie I, call
1: I, me I, <laughs> please do my grandparents have been married they're like they're in their 90s they've been married for like almost 70 years and they still call each other junie oh, and that's I so so cute. Uh, yeah so oh, I look at them and I'm like that's you know, that, oh yeah, that's officially the name it. Of this episode, call me Jenny. <laughs> I'm down. I'm here for it. But yeah, going back to where this whole conversation started, and I'm screaming and using my hands. Wish you could see it. Um, is that yeah, with body hair and your Wait, partner seeing I love your how body this is where hair? This full loop. Wow. Um, oh, I how will did say, you <laughs> I'm really impressed with myself right now. I will say that like when I first started dating my partner. Um, I was very conscientious of trying to like hide that part of me. Like I remember I like shave my crotch and then like I would like go with like conceal- just t- t- TMI and, concealer like, T right. all- M um, like, I and like Concealer and like cover wanna... like any like bumps that I thought there were. Like I would like smooth it out. Like I wanted my vagina to look gorgeous oh like god. amazing because i like because i but also like have you seen like white hairless people it's they're, crazy like, oh they're right. i everywhere. wax and it's like it's never gonna be like no that. it's just not i'll <laughs> always have like ingrown ha- it's just like yeah. it's not
3: yep.
4: cute yep. so uh, my waxing lady she's this old persian lady <laughs> oh my god my I, right love that. I love her and she plucks all my ingrowns so really? my ingrowns have reduced by like 95 percent because of her i love her that's amazing. not gonna say her name i feel like some people that listen to this go to her too <laughs> every everyone <laughs> who goes to Farida she's the best yeah I never
1: you know I my, the only Persian lady waxing my vagina was my mom we growing up so shout out to
4: mom oh, oh you should come to um, Farida she's amazing she, uh, she gives yeah, a good uh, price for you you gotta come to Great Neck um, <laughs> the whole reason I'm there <laughs> to get a great wax um, but yeah no so I was I was Listen, very she does conscious. assholes too like. <laughs> she sounds like a dream she is I love her uh, and she talks to me about like one time I, I remember one time I asked her, I'm like, I'm like, do you wax yourself? She's like, she's like, who am I waxing for? Who's seeing that there's no clear. traffic down there? That was her response. That's I'm like, so I funny. love you.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, no, going off of traffic being down there. Um, <laughs> like now ever, like I realized through talking about it with my partner, he was like, no, I like actually don't mind your hair like I don't it doesn't bother me when you're you have hair down there and it's like I realized like oh wait I'm the one that's so much more bothered than this than he is yeah like it didn't actually like he I feel like a lot of guys don't
4: care yeah he did not care that I personally do it just for me I like to feel clean down there I don't have a boyfriend so they're like yeah it's like there's someone I'm constantly who's constantly seeing anything in that area so like if really it's just for me yeah, yeah no, I it's like to do it
3: for myself too it's weird it's like why am i yeah. taking on this
4: huge expense and pain in <laughs> my life hundred percent
1: yeah no I do it was it was it was for me it wasn't for him and he's totally fine with it but now it's like cute he notices like I think just this morning he was like, "Oh, did you wax your arms? They're so smooth today." And I'm
4: like, "Yeah, <laughs> greased Like about a week ago, but yeah, like I actually like my arm hair. I bleach it. I, I go with the whole Brazilian." I used to bleach log. it. You know what's funny? They call waxing your full vagina Brazilian, but Brazilians, little do people know, actually really like body hair and just bleach it blonde. No That's way. the real Brazilian way. I bleach so for a while. I bleach my arm hairs because I think it's cute. I have like little gold sparkles on my arms. Oh, I've
1: I've <laughs> bleached. I've neared. I've, oh,
4: Nair is horrible. Nair, I can't my, know mom I never let my mom wouldn't let me touch Nair. Oh, my mom. Or a razor. My mom would I not talk trouble. to me
1: forever when she caught me using, Like, sh- she made me swear I'd stop. And then, like, I remember one day, like, when I was in college, but I was home, she came with, like, a towel, like, with the Nair, like, that, that I pulled off the hair from like a little washcloth and she was just like what is this pointing <gasps> at it being like what did you do oh and i'm like god. i'm sorry
4: <laughs> i'm so sorry she's like you're gonna get cancer <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, uh, i that's remember that's...
3: in middle school like i was just i was waxing my arms but like i think i was too embarrassed to ask the lady to wax my knuckles i, I literally like have yeah. <laughs> hair on my knuckles right now yeah, <laughs> so do i but um I bleach it. but uh I think I was just, like, really, I moved to a new school, and I was really scared because I was already, like, made fun of for other things. Like, people always call me Mustache Millie, ah. and I was, like, oh, no. I was, like, I I was like, I don't have time to wax before school, so I just, like, found a razor, and I shaved my knuckle hairs without <gasps> telling my mom, oh my God. and it grew back. Like, I feel like it still is so. darker than it originally was, and it's, yeah, like, got so thick, and I just, like... That was such a terrible... Sometimes oh, I think I'm about shaving quickly, my whole head because I
4: feel like I'm losing hair on my head. I'm like, maybe if I just shave it all off, it'll grow
1: back really nice and thick. <laughs> I've thought about shaving my head, but more just, like, to shock people. No, I love same. the, like, shock factor same. of freaking people out. Um, I got called, like, cave-iman, like, caveman. I got oh called Iman... Wait, that's kind of Iman, Harry, Kia, caveman. instead of Iman, Hariri, Kia. Boy. Like, I had all <laughs> the... Neg-
3: like... This is not really creative.
1: I know, like, <laughs> shout out to my middle school bullies. I love you guys. Like, you really brought it. You brought
4: it. Ho, ho, ho,
0: ho. You know, as different as everything seems this holiday season, one thing still holds true year after year. Everybody loves holiday scratch-offs from the Ohio Lottery. And with tickets available from $1 to $20, they're the perfect gift for anyone on your list 18 years or older. So, stay safe this year and play it safe with your gift-giving. Give scratch-offs from the ho, ho, ho. I owe
1: Lottery. lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Please play responsibly. Great game with those nicknames, and I love it. Um, no, I will say, though, you sure like... You should like, a Finsta. This is so... Oh, yeah, my alter ego, <laughs> yeah. for sure. I mean, I feel Imo like... the Harry. The, the real me is Iman Harry. Kia. Like, this blonde bitch, like, I don't know who she is, but, like, yeah. she's... The real me is, like... Iman Harry. Black Kia hair, loud. down to my ass, like, mustache, like, really soft unibrow that I love to, like, play with. Like, I literally used to go like this like i used to pet myself because yeah. i was like i'm so soft and then people were like actually you're just like you look like a man and i would just be like Fuck. <laughs> i didn't realize um but no i mean something that i've realized almost fucked you okay something that i've realized her hands down. <laughs> oh my gosh i'm like Straight i'm peak, peak version right now i'm like swatting things as i talk <laughs> something that i've realized from writing about these things because i've written a lot about like um, about the American standard of beauty, of, you know, hair, of hair removal, of dyeing your hair, like, I think that hair is, like, such a such a pivotal part of being Middle Eastern, and, like, something that you, you know, you're constantly, like, making decisions with and con- counteracting or combating or embracing based on, um, like, where you are in your life, is that, like, from writing it, I've realized that this is the most universal experience and like Persian girls want to talk about this. And like, yeah. they, they don't, they, they, instead they hide it. Like they're like, Oh yeah. Like I'm going to get a manicure and they go and like wax for an hour and they come back and they're like,
4: Oh, look at this. yeah. That's so yeah. Or like,
1: you're so right. They or they do. don't want to talk about their hair. Like, or they wake up at like 6am I used to do this straighten their hair like oh my, perfectly sounds like
4: did you watch Mar- uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel I love How she it. would yeah. go to sleep with her makeup on wake up after her husband fell asleep take it all off wake up at 6am put it all back on again yes. I thought that was crazy
1: 100% like I felt I was like that in middle school like in the sense that I would wake up at 6 straighten my hair completely straight like stick straight go to school people would be like oh my god your hair looks amazing I'd be like thanks like natural you yeah, know I woke like, up like oh no, god. and <laughs> so, yeah, I me mean,
4: after doing ecosystem, like yeah, I'm just like.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember middle
4: school. No, actually in elementary school when I was 9, my mom let me Japanese my hair cuz oh my, my hair was so my hair, hairdressers have told me my hair is the monster that they don't want to deal with and they're like I spray it with water and it absorbs the water and then it gets naughty again and then I brush it and it's naughty 2 minutes later. I'm like imagine living with it. Like these hairdressers are complaining to me, they have to deal with it for like half an hour. I have to deal with it my whole life. Yeah. So my mom let me Japanese it when I was 9. My mom but would I, never let
1: me do that, for the record.
4: Have, <laughs> I didn't have a, perks of having a really chill Israeli mom. Um, but I didn't have, like, the right, like, idea in my head. Like, when it started growing out, there's pictures of me in uh, elementary school with, like, pin straight hair and then curly roots. And I looked so fucking stupid. It looked so horrible. I'm like, oh, my God. I can't leave my mom. Let me do this. Oh, my God. When I look at pictures of
1: myself from middle school with, like, literally the s- side part that looked like a toupee, <laughs> long black frizzy hair, untreated, <laughs> like, full, like, eyebrows. Apparently didn't know about trimming. So, like, literally, like, little ca- caterpillars on my face, like, full, mu- like, mu- mustache. I looked like it was in a mariachi band. <laughs> and, like, I – no, for real. And, like – I I just like I don't I I don't look like that anymore because I have like removed my hair so much that like now it doesn't even grow back as as strong yeah. but like and like obviously now I've got this like white wig on my head so it's not <laughs> actually a wig but like this it just feels yeah. so different but you know I've I'm st- I just feel like that person all the time like I'm so aware of you know, like how fast my hair is growing and like all of that, because it's just like, you know, I'm still that girl, just like I physically cha- made a couple changes. But like, that's exactly It's I'm so like informed by that experience, of like looking around and realizing that like nobody else is ever going to have to deal with this. Like, you know, I grew up with a lot like amazing, amazing girls who are still my closest friends, but like, you know, white, primarily Jewish girls by the way all of my friends are jewish i just for the record <laughs> if you grow up in new york you guys know this every every season is bat mitzvah season like oh i all, like <laughs> yeah
4: all I mean, my friends That's how
3: you debut your uh, freaking skills yeah well they, now so, every
4: season's wedding season like <laughs> I know, that's especially a being age. a middle yeah. eastern jew like like middle eastern jews like have it worse than Eastern European like white Jews yeah. like every season is wedding season every every day someone's getting engaged like Persian <laughs> weddings by the way are the most fun weddings oh my God. in the Other entire weddings world. Other weddings are funerals completely boring weddings. They're so funerals boring. they're so sad
1: Yeah I've really i it, it, I didn't realize how lucky we are to be able to go to Persian weddings until I went to an American wedding and was like, this feels like I'm at an, like an old people home. Like it yeah. just like <laughs> didn't have the life of a Persian wedding. Yep. Um, and I'm going to have, for the record, a very Persian wedding. Like I, you know, I want the I'm, apt, I'm I want the night dance
4: to be at my wedding. That's my that's my dream. <laughs> <to hire laughs> We're actually going to do you listen to Alabina? Mm-mm. She's like this very Middle Eastern singer And um, she, I mean, she sings in Arabic. She's actually Israeli. She lives in France right now. And her name is Ishtar, and she's just like she's the Middle Eastern Shakira, basically. Oh, I love it! So you should go look her up. We're going to her concert if you want to like, come. But like intellectual us. Shakira, yeah. We're her, going June 14, June fourteen. June fourteen. So if you
1: want to
3: come,
4: I'm down. Free, I gotta listen
1: to her, like study yeah, up. Yeah, go listen I'm to. I'm down, her. You must yeah. know
3: that, like. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have heard that. I just okay. didn't. I
4: I didn't know the singer. Um, so, yeah, so you should come if you're down. I'm but, so down. But, yeah, I'm thinking of hiring her for my wedding. It's going to be a very Middle Eastern wedding. <laughs> I love it. No, I truly do love it. <laughs> Hopefully I think, uh, this
3: podcast will make us that rich. <laughs> How are you going to I'm afford? talking as if I
4: even have a boyfriend right now. Like, who knows? <laughs> no, no, no. You, if I'm not married by 30, I'm just throwing myself a giant party. <laughs> no, you,
1: you'll definitely. 35.
4: First of all, you don't need
1: to be married to throw a giant party. You can throw a giant party right now. And, like, also, like, don't. As someone who spends all day um, editing relationship content and dating content, um, really, 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 like, don't put pressure on yourself to constantly, like, track someone down that you're oh. going to marry. Oh, she's I, not like that at I all. I enjoy
3: being single. More she's than not anyone like that at all. Me. She was, like,
4: half joking, I think, at that time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I know. I don't think there's anyone who enjoys being single as much as I do. Like, I love to I hear love that. There's a reason why I've never been in a relationship. It's not because <laughs> no one tries. I'm cute. I'm cute as fuck. <laughs> I love it. Wait, yesterday I asked my mom, like, I'm like, mom, do you think I'm pretty? She's like, you're right. Oh my god! In Hebrew, she responds, she's like, you're okay. I'm like, well, that's not the response I was hoping. That for. That is crazy. Oh my god! I have to boost my own ego.
1: So it's actually it's my birthday on Monday,
2: and oh. um, I, Happy my parents. Thank, thank you. you. Well, uh, well.
1: Missy. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, uh, <laughs> I. I. I love, I love being around Persian women. I um, know, it's true. So it makes me happy. Um, I, but my parents took me and um, my partner out to dinner last night and I, I was given a birthday card from my mom. And one of the lines in it was like, do not forget that like diamonds are incredibly like flawed and so are you. And I was like, what? Like what? <laughs> I was, I, so humbling. I was like, this definitely isn't like what exactly she's trying to say. It's like, <laughs> The, the most special parts of a diamond are their flaws, period. No
4: explanation. And i an edgy like, car. Where do you even like,
1: purchase one I, like that? No, she wrote the oh, message. Oh, oh. I know, and wow. I was like... That's very humble. mom. And my mom and I are tight, so I was just like,
4: hmm, okay. <laughs> like,
1: she's crazy. You guys should get her on this podcast we,
4: on yeah god. we want to can interview we, well, we, yeah we were saying we want to interview someone who's actually in iran before the revolution and actually knew what it was like yeah. we're so interested in having someone on get that can mom. express that to us and talk to us about it and teach us a thing or two if your mom would she's fat race us she's, with her presence she's down love and talk to talk about
1: all things taboo she oh my god is oh my god okay please, please, we're, we're
4: please yeah. <laughs> yeah. We Gisu and Hadidi,
1: you're up. You're it's your, her you next. Gisu? Gisu, Hadidi. Oh, she's name. great. Gisu. Long black hair. Like hair. She was born with long black hair. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, long hair. Um, although she's had every hair color cut and in the book like no. she has had the cr- growing up she every month her hair was different someone recently asked me like when am I gonna go back to black and I was like well I definitely am I don't know when how do you even and, keep it
3: this light I tried to go blonde I couldn't um well <laughs> this this took yeah, your 10 hours look damaged at all. yeah so well dark. thank so you. Nice. mine
4: gets damaged so easily I can't dye my hair I take crazy
1: like crazy hair this like i wash my don't wash my hair that often i have to wash it like twice a week um i get touch-ups once every like six weeks and i do like an olaplex mask once a week i changed all of my products like i i take it really seriously because i've seen so many bad dye jobs and like i just it's my nightmare to have hair like that so i just um Take it really seriously. It took ten hours for me to dye my hair, but I had virgin hair before that, never treated, never dyed, nothing. Um I had long black hair to my butt until recently. So like yeah. this is a huge change for me and so because my hair was virgin hair, um, it took pretty well to the bleach and yeah, I mean, it's. I've been lucky that my hair has been. Your hair is a virgin. This. Yeah, my hair is a virgin. <laughs> I'm not, but my hair is definitely a virgin. <laughs> wait, another good. My hair is a virgin, episode, but that I'm that not. Definitely put, put that on my tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's it's um, it's so interesting how closely hair plays into your identity. Um, it's something I don't hear spoken a lot about in regards to like middle eastern identity i think it makes
3: I- me feel just like it's so nice to just be able to talk about that to like have people yeah. understand yeah and i think cuz that- i never had friends growing up who had this i just didn't have persian friends ever yeah. so
1: oh really you didn't grow up with persian friends
3: i i grew up around persians but i was like just they i don't know why they just always rejected me like they didn't really want me part of their mm-hmm. cliques yeah. and everyone would make fun of me for that's so why i was saying like they would always say like oh you think you're white or something and it w- was not like i don't know i just was like, I guess they thought I was too alt for them or
1: something. I, growing up, was part of this Persian community, but this goes back to why I always felt like I don't have to scare guys away, is because I n- know a lot of the guys that I'm being set up with. And growing up, I was like the angstiest kid, and I didn't really fit in with my yeah. Persian crew. Like, I never really felt like I was a part of it. Um, now I feel a little bit differently in the sense that, like, I enjoy being. Being around them because I feel like they sort of get a side of me that not everybody does. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I was never really a big part of. Like, they were all so close with each other, and I always felt. Do they a talk about like sex and things like that or openly? Um, or they, you know, I don't really know because like they are never really like opened up to me like that. But I think that they definitely were a little bit more comfortable talking about things like sex and relationships because and i think maybe th- that might just be a product of like being a new yorker you know what i mean like i think that growing
4: up in the, in the, yeah, the city. City. yeah
1: i think that people like new yorkers like shed their skin five million times before the time they're 18 um like i've always thought of myself as like persian and new yorker before being an american because like the city has informed so much of who i am like that and being iranian so my two my two identifiers Um, And I think that like a lot of kids that do grow up in New York uh, feel like they are exposed to a lot more before the time of adulthood. So maybe the fact that like I never felt like people weren't talking about like sex and relationships around me was more of a product of like the city that I was raised in and not like the, the culture that I was raised in. So I don't know. That's But that's like yeah. a progn- I don't know if that's it's just, true. F- yeah.
3: Well, you're the first girl we've had in studio. No way. And you're yeah. also the, the first, first New York girl. Fir- first New York girl. Oh, my God. I'm so Every I'm other so girl flattered. we've interviewed has been from L.A. over the phone. Like, I don't know what's up. But we also, we look at our of- stats and everyone <gasps> is like from New York who's listening. No way. They're I'm so happy like, New Yorkers are
4: listening. Yeah. Hi, guys. A lot of New Yorkers are listening. But a lot of the New Yorkers we speak to, like, they want to tell us their stories and they want us to talk about the experiences they've had growing up in the community but they're still very secretive they still don't want they don't even want their voices to be on anonymously because they're like too many people would recognize their voice that's yeah well i mean first i i have no i went down
1: i there i can't how do i put this I, there's no room for me to be ashamed anymore about these things. Like if you Google me, I mean, you're a dating, like sex. Oh editor. yeah. Like you Google <laughs> Yamahari go to news. I recently did this because I was like nervous about it and I was <laughs> confirmed. The first article is like woman 23. My bowels are broken. The second one is like, I touch myself in front of my roommate and the third one is like, (laughs) it's like speaking up during sex was hard for me until T-Cat, you know, it's like all of the stuff when you look me up is like so intimate, so personal. Like I've written about every part of myself. I've written about like, my past relationships. I've written about like my sexual exploration. I've written about my relationship with my body. I've written about, you know, like my relationship with food. I've written about my like relationship to dress, my mother, my family's mental health, like literally like the way that I make sense of my own self, and my own thoughts have always been through writing it down. I'm a ve- like, I really, really feel like I don't even know what I think or what I feel until I'm able to put pen to paper or finger to keyboard or whatever. So well, everyone go check out emails, writing. Oh, yeah. thank you. Thanks yeah. guys. Um, but yeah, I just, so coming on a podcast like this, I'm like, I hope people recognize my voice. Like I hope <laughs> so that, happy about that, yeah, no, I'm of so course. I'm, I'm so proud. Like I'm so proud to be on, uh, like be able to speak to being a persian and being a woman did i be- tell you like- how
3: i even found out about you no so i was at a bar and i was telling these people that i recently met about the podcast and i said like persian girl podcast and then this girl was like you should talk to this girl <laughs> email she, i guess she went to school with you oh and she was like message Iman on i was like whoa, whoa what? i was like let me write that i was like what yeah. <laughs> she was like you need who, to talk you know to her who it was I don't know. Well, whoever it was, I'm very grateful. She went to college with me. Maybe I oh. don't know. Well, whoever, well, it was at the Harvard Club, actually, whoever <laughs> recommended
1: me. Thank you for recommending me. I feel so much pride being sandwiched in between two amazing Iranian women, oh where and being able to talk sex and body hair and you know every. It's just it's so refreshing. Um, because I think that there is this idea that like middle eastern culture is very repressive and while that's true it's also def- definitely very matri that or can be true i don't want to speak generally it's also very matriarchal and i mm-hmm. think that women really really there's uh, but at a memory like secretly and after in the corner yeah or in bathroom. the <laughs>
3: So this is (laughs) Manloony Bathroom Talk on our podcast. Oh my god, I love that. We should... I can't believe it's been over an hour and 15 minutes. Oh, Oh, shit.
4: I didn't even realize. parking tickets. (laughs) Okay. Okay, well... (laughs) so (laughs) nice (laughs) having you. I don't want to stop. I don't want to end this. I'm enjoying speaking to you so much. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. We've never
3: had an interview like that. Yeah, really? Well, maybe because it's in person, it's different. Yeah. It's so nice. Oh, it's
4: just nice to chat, right? Don't
3: be shy, everyone. Like, come talk to us. I feel like I'm
4: literally sitting at a coffee
1: shop with friends just talking. I really love meeting new people truly like i love making friends i love meeting new people i love like just fucking gabbing like i love that like it's so much of like who i am um how i connect with people i literally just accost people like that's my friendship style is like i see you on the street and i accost you and that's always been like
4: <laughs> like i love that like we've never met you before and you've never met us but we're able to just come and sit here and talk and be so open i trust you guys with my life somehow let's do it (laughs) um do you have any last minute questions rapid rapid speed um i think i think i attacked you enough i think (laughs) I you a lot
1: okay well um, no i
4: think we yeah this is
1: so much fun um Thank yeah. you so much for being on. Thanks, guys. Shabakher. Shabakher. We always say shabakher. <laughs> Why do we do I know, that? I <laughs> <know>. Maybe don't <laughs> listen to us in
4: the morning. So many people listen to us on their way to work. Oh, so really? Shabakher, <laughs> <laughs> guys. Shabakher,
1: guys. <laughs> so yeah. Get Have a that,
3: great day. It's like a motivational thing to say. Um, okay, get, that <laughs> get that bad, buddy. Get that Get that bad. Get
1: that bad. Lottery Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Please play responsibly.
2: Two kinds of bacon and all kinds of delicious. Say hello to Donato's new Bacon Duo pizzas. Two pizzas each with two kinds of bacon. Try the new Pepperoni Bacon Duo with pepperoni, Canadian bacon, and hardwood smoked bacon. And the Chipotle Bacon Duo with Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon.